You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So we're going we're gonna to jump into it. We have a few topics of discussion that we're going to cover. But the first one that I want to start off with, and uh, I'm going to kind of ask this question or frame it, and I'll let both of the, the couple's answers and whoever wants to, to speak up, fire away. But uh, the, the first thing I want to talk about, I think it, when it comes to relationships, we all know that um, there, there's, there's two things that are, are paramount importance, connect and communication. And so I want to lead off with that, connect and communication when it comes to relationship. How can we effectively connect and communicate with our spouse or significant other? Ready, go. Ready, go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, Date nights. I'm huge on date Come nights. On. I think every couple should be going on a weekly date night. I'm wow. totally think when we would go longer than 10 days, you could feel the disconnect. Mm. So we knew, okay, we have to schedule that in. Now, sometimes money's tight, so we had to yeah. be, you know, figure that out. Right. But we, even with our kids, as soon as our kids were old enough to have a babysitter or Uncle Ken could come over, we, <laughs> we went on date nights from like when the baby was like, a month old. We've just had it as a very high importance. Come on, that's yeah. so good. And I think uh, to, to tag on to that as well, uh, especially on the finances, which maybe right now is, is really tight as well, find another couple. Like find another couple where you can trade off. And uh, it's a great way. Oftentimes we'll trade off with the Walters and they'll take our boards or we'll take theirs. And, uh, and that way you don't have to spend extra money on babysitting on top of going out or doing whatever. And, and you can be creative with the date, night to, date nights too. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not let you off the hook quite so easy. Give us one creative date night that you guys have done. Well, you know, it's interesting, uh, over the, this pandemic, when everything was shut down and you tried to do a date night, it was so difficult to try to figure out, like, where do you go? Where, do you, where can you even get food? You know, it's uh, surprising that that was uh, the challenge. Um, but, you know, we used to do, we would do some date nights where we'd go down to the beach, get some takeout, and we actually ate in the car and played Uno in the car while we watched the sunset. So, <laughs> you know, date nights don't have to be expensive or extravagant. You know, yeah. eating at the top of Mr. A's at the sunset's really nice, too, but... Uh, you know, sometimes just the sort of the simple things where you're walking along the beach because we live in a great, awesome place like San Diego where we have all these great natural resources. Those can be uh, really fun. Anything that, that allows you guys to connect verbally and maybe do a little bit of activity as well where you're, you know, getting around and moving as well together, I think that's, that's a win. So. Moving together, connecting. All right, I like where this is going. Yeah, you know. <laughs> all right, Yarbrough, how about you guys? Yeah, just like Alan was saying, you know, it's been really hard, especially for the last year. But, you know, Brian and I have been married for 20, oh, he's going to kill me, seven, 26. <laughs> I'm not the Wow, there's person. a little bit of role reversal. Yeah, it's like almost, role 20, reversal. almost 26. I don't, I, ne I always forget our anniversary. I'm just that person, you know. I like to go shoot guns and fish and, wow. you know, so, <laughs> but not that he likes to do other things that girls do, but I'm very opposite. <laughs> Very opposite. But we've learned, you know, over the years, though, it's been, you know, we, we, we find that just spending time together doesn't necessarily mean ha having to go out to dinner and spend money, like Alan said. Yeah. And, and I'm a runner, too, so those of you know that I like to run marathons, and it's been really hard. Obviously, I haven't had any races this year, but, and Brian hasn't been able to run with me a lot. So, but what we found, is we've got creative. He's got his bike, and then I go run, and he, I run while, you know, he, he, he rides, yeah. he rides <laughs> a bike, and, you know, and it keeps us both accountable, and, and staying active, you know, and, and we've just had to get creative over this last year. Yeah. Um, 
yes, we have had to get creative. Well, I have to tell you, it was not this easy in the beginning, though. Some of you may not be as in love right now as we are today because there was a time when we were not in love. Wow. And so it was very hard to date. And, um, you know, like Kaiser's, 37 years, I feel like you're qualified to be up here with us, you know, yeah. but Leanne and I met, like she said, 30 years ago in El Cajon. I didn't know how to date because I wasn't saved wow. at that time, right? I didn't get saved until we had our first daughter. And so dating for me was different. You know, we met in a bar. I knew how to date because we had fun when we dated, but now it's different. Today, it's a lot different. Uh, being saved and having, but there was a time in our, in our lives where dating was a difficult thing. And I prayed hard when I first met the Lord. And he gave me this opportunity to share what I needed to share with Leanne that I didn't know was dating. But I learned that cleaning out a junk drawer on a Tuesday night for an hour was like a date. Like, shh. Like, yeah, we had to learn. Like, kids were in the way. And when you have kids in the way, and it's just the two of you in the beginning, and now you have kids and a job and a career, the relationship sacrificed the importance for everything else. So dating was a difficult thing. So we began to date on nights where maybe most people don't date. Or we would do things together to catch up on things. And today, uh, I'd say that dating for us today is a long-distance drive between here and Montana. Like, we're, we're in the car... You know, we have a house in Montana now, and we drive, you know, we spent 866 miles together in one day, and we dated that whole time. It was incredible. So oh things are gosh. completely different. I think that is a, a true test of your, where your relationship is at. If you can take a long car ride and not yeah. fight the entire way, then you're in a good spot. Good. Unfortunately, Pastor Lisa and I can't say that we didn't fight on our recent car ride up to Tahoe, yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, we'll, we'll talk yeah. about that later. Hey. Hey, Michael, can I say something? Yeah, to, yeah, jump in. I, I, th I feel like there's, I know that we're a marriage panel, basically, yeah. but I know that everybody out here is not, is not married. So if you're, if you're single, but you're like, man, I would like to have that someday, yeah. can you raise your hand? Come on. Come on. There we go. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Wait, wait, wait. Keep those hands lifted up. Everybody take a look around. Take a look around. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. You never know. Yeah. Hey, you know, one thing that, that I remember when I was single, because I went through sort of a, a time in my life where I went through a divorce and I had to kind of remake myself wow, in a wow, sense. So good. And, uh, and I, I remember a, a moment in that where I was sort of just being casual about relationships. You know, I was in a season where I was like not wanting for a serious relationship yet. And I and I and God told me he's like, hey, if you want to, you know, really find the kind of partner that you say you want, like, you know, you have your list, right? Wow. And uh, if you want to be, if you want that kind of a person, you need to like be the kind of person that's going to attract that kind wow. of a person. Yeah, I thought so like, good. I'm not, so I'm not that person right now. And so wow. that really, that really helped to elevate me. Like, think about myself differently. Like, wow. oh, okay, I want to, if I want an Emily, I got to raise my game up a little Come bit. On. So yeah. that's so good. Yeah. Alan, on that, um, we, we had talked a little bit before, and, and so you kind of just laid out a vision if you're single. What about vision in your marriage, in your relationship? Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Michael. And I came prepared with a Bible verse. Come on. He's ready. So, there we go. Oh, and it's still there. So that's, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> in, in Proverbs 29, it says, uh, where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. Wow. And so, wow. Um, you know, one th two things about that. Uh, prophetic vision is something that is not necessarily like the reality yet, right? You know, it wouldn't say, you know, if you don't know what reality is, you're going to wander astray. It's like the prophetic vision is something that's sort of out there that you're trying to, that you, you want to attain still. 
And in relationships, we, in our church is so good. I love our church. I love Pastor Jurgen and Pastor Leanne and so good about, you know, getting us to think about vision for our lives. I mean, some people out here, you, maybe you did the vision cards this year. Maybe you do a vision board at home and you put the things like, you want this house or this boat or, you know, maybe I'm just putting all the, you want to, all these great things. That's all his visions. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was thinking like, oh, those are mine. But, you know, you have your vision for your sort of life. But how many of us really get a vision for our marriage? And I want to challenge people that your vision for your marriage and for your spouse is not just the vision of like, I'd love to see us with a white picket fence and a dog, which is, that's really good. That's good. But I almost want to say that's kind of like a, too short of a time frame. Like, I think you need to go out like even further. Like when you're 80, still as a couple together, what do you think that looks like? You know, and I, I'd say a lot of us would say, oh, I want to be walking on the beach in the sunset, holding hands. And actually, that's that's actually is my vision. But, you know, and just and, just remember her name. Is that yeah, good? Yeah. And it's Emily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With Emily's. Yeah. Yeah. We're not by myself on the beach, but I'm holding Emily's hand. Yeah. So um, and, you know, I see that and I think like, OK, how am I going to if I want to get to that point to where we're still wanting to walk on the beach and hold hands together at like 80 or 90? Well, what do I need to do? What do I need to do now to work towards that? Like you got to kind of work backwards a little bit. And a lot of us, I think, don't always think about the what's in the long term, you know, portion of ourselves. We just think of what do we want now? What do we want next year in the next five years? We don't always think, well, how do we want our life to end up in like in 50 or 60 years? So good. Incredible. Come on, let's give a round of applause for that. Casting vision for yourself and for your marriage. All right. I want to I want to kind of ask a question that I think is uh, it gets asked a lot. And um, we know that, that the common default or common culture is that in a relationship, there's many, many women who would say that their husband doesn't communicate effectively or doesn't, doesn't speak enough or doesn't engage uh, communicatively that well. But there's also the convention where when women or wives or spouses, significant others have a problem and they come to their husband or their significant other and they relay the problem, Sometimes you want us to answer the question, and sometimes you don't. How do we know which is which? How do we know when to answer or when to say, yep, honey, you're right, or I'm sorry, or so we want, you want us to communicate more, but how do we know when to do it? I think the Bible says to cast lots. And right. then, okay, yeah, however, okay. Yeah. roll the dice. That's kind of what it is, you know, but somehow it always ends up sixes. I don't know. Oh, oh cancel that. Yeah, cancel that. Okay. Isn't that Wrapped funny out. how he hands me the microphone? He's like, you answer this. Um, you know, we have to realize that, you know, men and women, we are different and God created us yes. that way. We did not create us to be the same. How boring would that be if, if God created us like exactly the same? Wow, yeah. And so, you know, communication for a man is different than communication for a woman. We all know that, you know, men are from Mars and women are from Venus, yeah. right? So we're just wired differently. Wow. So, you know, I'll tell a quick little story if I can. So. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when he can say something, we can take it, like when the man says something, we take it completely different, yeah. right? So one time, it was right after I had Brooke sitting there, she's my third child, and she, I had her in July, so by September we were going to a football game, and I had no business wearing shorts and with my boots, like I had these, like these shorts, you know, cut-off jean shorts, I loved wearing cut-off jean shorts and boots, and um, and after your third child, I had no business doing this, right? I was not in any shape to do this, but I was going to wear it, right? And Brian stood there and he goes, are, are you wearing that to the football game? And 
I didn't have to say anything. I looked at him and my look said, you got a problem with that? (laughs) (laughs) He knew that after that, anything he was going to say, whether he was going to say, I don't like the color of those boots, that would have, in my mind, said, you look fat. Or if he would have said, I don't like that shirt, in my mind, that would have said, you look fat. He knew immediately not to say anything. So what did he do? So I just want to, I want to encourage you men to get creative. Come on. When you don't like the way your woman's, what your woman's wearing or whatever. So Brian, he goes into the closet and he was so mad. He goes into the closet and he walks out and he stands there and he's got cowboy boots on and short, cut off shorts and a shirt tied in the front. And he goes, all right, let's go. Let's go. And I, The reason why he was so mad was because he was going to go because he knew that if he was going to say something to me, we would have gotten in a fight. We wouldn't have gone to the football game. And he knew if we were going to go to the football game, then he was going to have to show me how ridiculous I looked. And that was the best visual. that, And still to this day, that was like 20 some odd years ago. Still to this day, I still think of it and it makes me laugh. That was the most creative way to communicate to me that I looked ridiculous. I had no business wearing shorts and cowboy boots to the football game. Nonverbal communication. Great answer. Great answer. Uh, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I want to follow up. I've never been that lucky since, so just so you know. (laughs) But I have to tell you, there's going to be some men out there who are like me who come home and their wife is home, whether they're home with their kids all day or they have a job or they have multiple things going on. And um, I could sit in the driveway and pray because sometimes I would walk into the front door like I was walking on eggshells because I just didn't know where our marriage was or something was going on because it wasn't always rosy like it is today. And we don't have time to get into that. But but I want to tell you what I would do is I would walk in with my game face still on and I would hear her day and and she would just want to share something about her day. And rather than listen to her and acknowledge how difficult her day might have been or just say, what did you do or how did you handle that like a good girlfriend would do, I would walk in and I would hear it and I'd say, well, why don't you do this next time? And I was in the fixer mode because I had just come from doing what I do for a living and I was trying to fix her, you know, and it really took us to a deep, deep, dark place in our relationship at one point where God had to remove me completely out of Leanne's life because she needed to act a certain way for me to be okay. And I needed to act a certain way for her to be okay. And when God began to strip us apart from each other, it wasn't until God worked on her and God worked on me to where the complete change had nothing to do with the other person. Right. And our relationship at that point began to produce the fruit because before that, we were like an avocado tree, man. There's no fruit for 12 years in an avocado yeah. tree. And I think we were married about 10 to 15 years when God just stripped us apart and then began to, that fruit began to multiply yeah. wow. and multiply. But it was because of that. It was because of like how, and she told me, she had to give me permission. I'd come in, my, my heart would be racing and at the end of the day. And she'd say, Brian, I want to share what happened today, but you don't have to fix me. Wow. So and good. I could go, oh. Thank God, because I've been doing it all day, you know? (laughs) So good. Great answer. Emily, you want to Yeah, I wanted to add. Like, 
we had go to counseling at one point in our marriage, which I think any couple needs to at times. It's a tune-up. It doesn't mean there's huge problems in your marriage. It just means something, there's an issue that's reoccurring that let's deal with it now instead of when you don't want to deal with it anymore. For the guys, that means change the oil before the engine falls yeah. apart. Oh, thank you. Good. So when we were there, we were talking with the counselor, and he basically stopped Alan, and he said, she's allowed to have feelings. Because I wasn't able to express, these are just feelings. He would try to logic his way out of it. Like, fix it, logic, this doesn't make sense, you can't feel that way. Um, so now, like, since that counseling session, I, we have decided, I just tell him, these are my feelings. <laughs> I just like, these are feelings. And it took time for him to realize, oh, I can be empathetic. Oh, I, oh, I can feel with her on these and not try to fix it, like Brian was saying. So I think it's a common thing in marriage where we are just wired differently. But that's been a really great tool for us. Yes, you, you can't argue with feelings. Nope. Yes. Yeah, so you can argue with logic, but you can't argue with feelings. So. Yeah. A great example was um, last Tuesday, I went to a spin class to do a Brooke, our first spin class together, and I got there late, and uh, they wouldn't let me in because COVID, like, because I didn't go into the class with the mask on, and then I didn't take the mask off at the same, at the right time, so I couldn't go into the class with a mask off. It was stupid, right? And so these college kids are telling me, I'm sorry, ma'am, you know, that's just the COVID rules. I'm like, there are no COVID rules. And I was so mad. And I got in my car and I was driving home and I was crying and I was upset. And I called Brian and I'm like, I'm so mad. I hate this COVID thing. And instead of him trying to fix the situation, like he, like he would, like he's talking about, he just listened. He became my cheerleader. And that's what we want sometimes as women. We don't want you to fix the situation. We just want you to cry with us or listen to us or be compassionate about us. You know, he didn't cry with me, but, but he was, understanding of my yeah he's like that sucks you know and yeah. and um i came with a uh, proverbs 14:29 says slowness to anger makes for deep understanding a quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity i love the message version <laughs> and so i think a lot of times when we're communicating with each other we can be quick to, to be you know to be angry with something and build resentment over something but i have to realize that that you know, if I have a resentment with something that he says or the way he acts, it's not him that's the problem. There's some underlying fear and security that I have that is fueling that resentment or that, that anger that I've got. And I really need to take a look at that. Like, this isn't him. Just because he says something or acts a certain way or doesn't do something or it's not him. There's what is it with me that's creating or fueling that resentment or that anger that I have? And so I have to begin to to look at myself and then take it to God and go, God, he's your kid. You deal with him. But, you know, it, I, it, but it, I do have to look at myself when it comes to why am I getting so upset over something that's so silly. That's right. I'm going to jump in here because this is I'm going to share what happened to me on Tuesday. So um, on Monday, we were snowboarding <laughs> up in Tahoe. We had a great vacation. And, um, and so we were driving home. And I, I think I'm driving and we're going through like the Mammoth Lakes. It's beautiful. And I'm like, Michael, I just had a really great moment on the ski hill. I was like, I had a, I got cat, caught on this cat walk, and I had to take my snowboard off. I had to walk like 200 meters, and I was really upset and mad. There was nobody around, and I'm just like trudging along. But then after a few minutes, I just had this, this moment where I just felt like completely just at peace. It was like me and God there. There was not a person or a sound in sight. And so I was just sharing in this really nice moment you know, that I had. And I shared with this at the Women at Prayer. And then Michael goes, um, 
something like, well, yeah, but uh, he's like, well, I understand that. I'm, you know, I like to go to the mountains too and go skiing by myself. And then he's like, but you're a people person. You don't, you don't really need to have a lot of times like that because you like being around people. And then all of a sudden I'm like, so you're trying to say that you need times like this and I don't get have time like this. And, and, and so I got all upset because of his reaction. And I was just trying to share something nice, you know, but then Michael's backtracking and saying, well, and this was the long car ride that we were talking about. This what this, I feel like house remodels and long car rides, that's where, where you start to have um, conversations. And then Michael's like, well, what I meant was, let's, let's try to help you have more of those moments. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yes, that's exactly. Yes. So this, this just happened this week. But it's a, it's a good, you know, thing because it allowed us to kind of talk through um, you know, something. And at that moment, I think it takes time to, to read your spouse. And we're still working at this, what, 12 years in marriage. And it's like, you know, if sometimes he doesn't know, am I trying, am, is this something she wants me to fix? Is this something she wants me to share? And so I think that just takes time and, and clarity. You could even say up front, I'm just sharing with you. You don't need to fix it. And if you need to say that, say that. But this brought, brought me to another thing that we're talking about is the emotions. Um, because the Bible says that we are supposed to have self-control over our emotions. And that's something that I've been actually working on the last few years. Because a lot of times women, we get all emotional and hyped up. I would actually have like physical reaction. If I get upset, I'd, I would like turn red and just get hot. And, you know, and it, not even just in our marriage, just like in relationships it, in other ways. And um, it was actually Pastor Leanne that, that said, you know, I used to be like that. I used to you know, my emotions used to kind of um, show and in, in that Michael kind of likes it with me because he feels like he can read my emotions and where I'm at. But it's actually um, a discipline in self-control. So if you're not having control over your emotions and you don't want to make decisions or say things out of those emotions, because it's usually the wrong thing. So I would encourage anyone here, if you're having men, female, married, not married, it doesn't matter. This works in every stage of life. Like if you're having trouble controlling um, your thoughts or what you're saying and speaking out of your emotions, I would just say, um, ask God, like it's a fruit of the spirit to have patience and self-control. So ask God for it. And it's a discipline. So I would encourage you to work on it. It'll help you in every relationship. So um, I just want to share that. So good. Yeah. And it even says Ephesians 4, 26, 27, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So good. So talking about controlling our emotions, um, why is controlling our emotions important and how do we do that to the panel? I'd like to talk about that real quick. I'm going to be as fast as possible. Yeah. So one thing I know is when your emotions are high, your intelligence are extremely low. You typically say things you regret when your emotions are high. We were in marriage therapy years ago, not to, not to bore you with the long story, but the point of this story is this. Who here has somebody in their life that knows how to push your buttons? Right? Whether you're married or not, coworker, teenage kid, somebody, right? Anybody can push your buttons. Well, the, the, what happened in this situation was is we learned that that button that they push is where? It's inside of you. So who's really pushing the button? Right? So, so if somebody is pushing your button, it's really a fear. It's living without God running that portion of your life. Fear is taken over, and they're touching a part of you that has fear attached to it. And that fear is what's driving that, right? The fear is driving that button. 
you're saying this again, I'm not being validated. You're saying this again, I'm not who I am today. And I'm in fear that you might be speaking truth or hate towards me, but I'm receiving it the way I'm receiving it. And that is when I push that button and then it all goes bad. So good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I found something um, on on Google, actually. (laughs) Google actually has some good stuff every now and then. Allow God to work on your spouse's heart and allow him to fight on your behalf. Often it is our woundedness that is driving our conflict with each other. God works at the level of our heart, and only he can bring about the conflict resolution healing that many of us and our spouses really need. And I heard Pastor Leanne say something last week that, that... that couples that pray together, 0.01% of those couples that pray together will end up in divorce, you know? And so, you know, maybe, I don't know how long, I mean, we've been together for 27 years, actually longer than that, 30 years. Thank you. 30 years. And, and, you know, we've, we've changed. And, and if, and if I, you know, decided I want a divorce because we've changed or we've grown out of each other, it's not that we've grown out of love with each other. You need to ask yourself that question. We've grown up. Maybe we've, some of our interests have changed. We've grown out of interest with, with each other. And so when you say that you've grown out of love with it, you probably haven't grown out of love with that person. You've grown, grown out of interest. But if you put together prayer together in your marriage and you sit down and you say, listen, I don't care if we just spend one minute a day in the morning and what, what doesn't matter, but to sit and look at each other and pray together and for each other, it will save your relationship and it will save your marriage because we're putting God into your life instead of putting ourselves first and our feelings first. So, so good. Incredible. And one thing, uh, when I've had this, and this, this works in parenting too. If you have a prayer language, if you don't, you can have it. But if you don't have it, if you do have it, I found that as an effective tool to use in times when my emotions are running a little high. And I'm like, you know what, God? Like, I'm not in the space to like pray in my own understanding right now because I'm like angry or upset, especially with like kids putting them to bed at night. I know, Michael, you probably feel me on that one. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so, but, you know, you, you know, sometimes when you go to God in that and you just bring it to God and, and let him sort of let the Holy Spirit sort of pray on your behalf, you know, I, f- I find that it brings my emotions down too. And another tool that I've used is that, uh, you know, I ask all the time, like in men's prayer, when I'm praying over somebody, I ask like, God, what's your heart for this person? How do you want to share your heart with this person? And, and that's like helps me to you know, sort of give a prophetic encouragement to them. And I thought, I thought to myself, like, I don't think I do that over my wife very often. And that was kind of a revelation recently. And, and I thought, you know what, when I'm like maybe at a little, a little bit of a confusion state in, in things or conflict, and I ask God that question, and I actually listen to God, I like, wow, that's, I, you know, God usually gives me something that, how, what's his heart for Emily? And then when I hear God's heart for Emily, it's hard for my heart to not be changed and moved by that. So. Wow. Incredible, so good. I, I think I know for myself personally, one of the one of the areas where I feel like I fail more often than I succeed sometimes is in parenting my sons. It's it's um, when when, you know, you've asked them for the third, the fourth, the fifth, tenth, twentieth time to do something and they don't do it. Or you get the whine or you get the response that that just triggers something in, inside of you. And especially I think as dads, um, you know, we kind of will default to the physical, we will default to. Uh, letting our emotions get control of us or do, take the better of, of us. And it's something 
for me that I personally know I have to keep in check. I have to, I have to watch that. I have to regard it because um, I know that as soon as my emotions take control, like Brian says, your intellect goes down really low. And the point of what you're trying to do in that moment to correct or to guide, to counsel is lost. Like, because the kid just sees angry dad or angry mom. The kid just hears yelling. The kid just hears, like, you know, or sees you throwing what amounts to a temper tantrum. Like, you're doing exactly what you are getting mad about them for doing. And so, um, as parents, we do need to train our kids up in the way they should go. But the Bible also says, discipline your child, and I think specifically your son, but but not to the point where you're you're repelling them. Not to the point where you're forcing them to run away. Run away. And so um, that's just something in controlling your emotions, like the benefit of doing that is, is both for you because you keep the primary focus, the primary focus, and you also allow them to see your heart for them, just like what Alan was saying, because God's heart for parents, it, you know, is that the parent would have the right motivation, the right heart, the right intent. And then it's up to the parents, it's up to us to, to implement it the way that God would implement it. And, uh, you know, and sometimes you do need to, to take a breather, take a moment. I know there's times where Lisa and I have been in a, a heated discussion and I've needed to walk away for a second. I've needed to say, I need to go collect my thoughts. I need to go process this. And every time that I've done that and, and I come back, I never just leave it. I come back and say, like, this is this is what I'm trying to say or this is what I feel or, or you know, let me try and explain myself better. Or more often than not, this is what God showed me I was doing wrong. You know, so whenever you step away, you, it takes two to tango, right? There's always two sides to every argument. And so figure out in that, that time, you know, what did you do wrong, if anything? Or, or how could you have addressed the situation better? How, you know, maybe, maybe you need to say sorry for letting your emotions get the better of you and saying something or doing something that you didn't want to do. And, um, man, I wish we could go on for, for another hour with this panel, but I think we're going to wrap it up. So um, there's one more thing that I want to talk about real quick, but I want to, I want to give these couples uh, just like a final parting shot, like maybe a piece of advice, word of wisdom, you know, uh, to our couples here or single people, anything that you got, um, what's your last little nugget before we wrap up? All right. I've got one little nugget. If you've never been to Emerge, man, go to Emerge. Come on. Ho, ho, ho. Day three of Emerge, you come home and your wife will say something's different about you. I don't know what that difference will be for you, but for me, it was really apparent. So my Bible verse this morning when I woke up said this, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. And that's how I always come home from Emerge. So good. I think he said it all. So I was going to say that verse too. So yeah, just, you know, and I know that there's some of you out here that are, that are not married or you're single and stuff. So um, women, I'm talking to the women out there. If you haven't been to Cherish, go to Cherish oh. Nights, <laughs> go to Cherish Nights. And then after Emerge, find yourself an Emerge man. That's all I have to say. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we hear all the time, there's power in the tongue and the words that you say. And imagine, like I just say imagine, but you know it's reality. Whatever you say, what if that comes true? Whatever you say over your kids, that comes true. Like if you say to your kids like, oh, you're, you're not good enough or you're stupid. Like imagine if that comes true. Is that really what you want for your kids? Imagine it for your wife. Like if you say like, uh, you don't really look that good today. Like is that really leading you to the future that you want with your wife? You know, you need to like always be really conscious about the words that you say and always speaking the life over your, over your family and over your relationships 
in the direction that you want them to have, in the direction God would want those to be at, not the way that it maybe feels like in the moment. So when you're doing that, you're creating like the reality of your future that you're going to actually want to step into, not the reality of your future that you're going to be disappointed with. That's good. Incredible. Um, I would say pray, pray, pray. When Alan was always, he was our, always our spiritual leader in our home. We've, I've been very fortunate with that, but there was a time where he did not pray powerfully with authority. Um, and we were dealing with some issues and I asked him to pray and it was so, I'm sorry to say it. It was very weak. (laughs) And I was like, that's it. That's it. And I, I prayed and then I started praying and I asked one of my girlfriends, will you pray for, for us? I want Alan to really step into more of authority, but I didn't really know how to pray for that. Exactly a year later, we were in Awakened Church. He started men's prayer and the way he prays over me now, the way he prays over the boys has changed our marriage, has changed our parenting, has changed our friendships. It is very powerful. So pray. Come on. Beautiful. Beautiful. Can we thank our panel? Thank you so much. The Walters and the Yarbers. There's uh, just one more area that I wanted to talk about as we wrap up. I think that, that every one of us has, at some point in our lives, been in a relationship or uh, maybe a marriage, maybe not quite married, and it hasn't ended well. Or maybe even a relationship with a parent or a relationship with a, a child. And um, wh- what I want to close on is, is how to restore relationships and how to move past hurts. And um, I know for me personally, I've had to do this, um, moving past a a broken, a failed marriage and moving on with a new life. And I know that God, um, God will work in each one of us in in different ways, but there's always people that we can learn from. There's always people that God will put in our world to draw from, like these amazing couples up here. And absolutely look for the fruit. Look for, for something you see in somebody else's marriage or somebody else's relationship that you can draw from, that you can learn from. And, and, but ultimately, yes, like you need, you need to petition God. You need to petition your heavenly father and receive wisdom from him because it's actually, uh, he gave us the perfect model of how to restore relationships. When he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come to the earth and, and to die for our sins, the purpose of that was to restore relationship. There was a disconnect between God and his creation, his children, all of mankind. And Jesus Christ was the only way to bridge the gap, the only way to fully restore that relationship. And, and watch this. When Jesus gave his body... To be, to be beaten, to be broken, to be whipped, and to be put on a cross. He did that willingly. He did that knowing that, that not just our relationships with each other, but Jesus Christ, his relationship with his heavenly father, with God, was going to be severed. Jesus, when he went on that cross, he became sin. And he even said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, Jesus felt the separation. Jesus felt the disconnect that, that, that could have not happened any other way except that Jesus willingly went and took our place. Like he went up, he was naked, he was beaten, he was exposed. 
And, and no matter what relationship that you've walked through, no matter what hurt or pain that you've walked through, it, uh, it cannot compare to what Jesus did. It cannot compare to the separation that happened between Jesus Christ and his father. And, and that's, that's not to say that it isn't important or, or it isn't impactful, but it's just to say he already walked that path and he showed us how to bring restoration so that you can have it. Like no matter what the hurt is, no matter what the pain is, no matter what the broken relationship is, there is restoration in him. And he is maybe the only way that there can be full restoration and healing. Even if that other person doesn't forgive you, even if that other person doesn't want restoration, you can have it today. You can get restored. You can get healed. You can move past if you choose to. Just let him right now in this moment. And why don't we all close our eyes, bow our heads, and as I said at the beginning, do some soul searching. Look into your heart. I know it can be painful at times. It was painful for me. I had to forgive, 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 forgive until I really meant it. It took a long time, but I did it. And now I genuinely believe the best for that person. I genuinely want that person who hurt me to have the best life. And I know that you can have that too. I know there can be restoration for you too in him, in Jesus Christ. But what you have to do, there's two main things. You have to forgive and you have to release. You have to forgive and you have to release. Ask forgiveness for yourself first because the Bible says that, that if you don't forgive, you cannot be forgiven. So ask forgiveness for yourself first. Even if you know they're in the wrong, even if they hurt you so much, even if they did so much more than you, you've got to look at yourself first. You've got to receive forgiveness first. Even if that other person doesn't want to forgive you, you can receive forgiveness from God. You can ask forgiveness from him, and he will bring that forgiveness, and then he will allow you the process of forgiving that other person. He will allow you to receive healing as you continue to forgive that other person. So let's do that right now. I'm going to pray over you, and as I say this prayer, I want you to, to open up your heart. I want you to receive forgiveness, and I want you to dispense forgiveness, and then I want you to release the whole situation to God. I want you to, to as, as Elsa says, let it go. Sometimes it, it's, it's so true. We just, we just have to let it go. I think Pastor Leanne said that last week as well. But So Heavenly Father, we thank you right now that you modeled perfect relationship for us. You modeled perfect restoration for us. You gave us the path forward on how we can receive healing, how we can receive restoration. As you gave your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, God, as he went up on that cross and he was separated from your love, God, I thank you that, that you have modeled how to bring that back together. We trust you right now that even though we may be separated in a relationship, even though we may, we may be hurt, we may be beaten, we may be exposed, God, we thank you right now for the process of restoration and healing happening in each of these lives and hearts. God, I thank you that you're, you're speaking to these people right now. As they receive forgiveness for anything that they have done, they are able to release forgiveness to those who has wronged them. That doesn't necessarily mean they have to be back in a relationship with that person. They don't have to go back into an abusive relationship, God, but they can trust that your hand is over their lives. Your hand is helping them and guiding them to move, move forward with a new life in you. God, I thank you for the peace that passes understanding. I thank you for the process of healing, of forgiveness, of restoration that's happening right now. God, I thank you that, that maybe right now this is the finish line for some people, that they're, they're receiving exactly what they need from you right now to be fully free, fully set free, God. And I also 
thank you for the process that is beginning in some people. That we will not despise the day of small beginnings, but this is the start of something new. It's the start of something powerful, and it's the start of moving forward in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.